that we support, they're headed to Kenya to work with Agape, and I asked them to come. As we are, uh, our theme this year is connected, and it's important to me that we connect with our missionaries. So, Ryan, thanks for being here today, and if you would share with us a little bit about where you're headed next. Yeah, we'll do. Well, I'm super excited to be here um, down in Ording. I don't know if you guys know, but uh, Abundant Life has supported us for, what, a couple years now, right? Um, it's been awesome. Um, so our family of six, my wife and our four kids, are headed to Kenya uh, next. God's taken us there to work with Agape. So Agape engages in uh, family reunification, as you saw in the video. Um, what does that look like, right? How is that different than, like, a children's home or an orphanage? Um, well, Agape has spent the last 10 years uh, working on a model based on four steps, with four R's, what they call it. Um, the first R, uh, and that is rescue. And they've got people on the streets every day. They're building relationships with these kids. Um, some of these cities, like uh, Kasumu that they were in, had 1,000 kids on the street every day. The city we're going to work in has, I think, around 800 kids every night sleeping on the streets. Um, when a child makes a decision, okay, yeah, I'll come back to Agape. Um, step two, the second R, is rehabilitation. Um, these kids, man, they're on the streets for any number of reasons, right? They've had trouble at home. Why they ran to the streets, maybe it was neglect, maybe it was poverty, hunger, um, maybe their kid or their friends ran to the streets and they thought maybe this would be a better option. And what do they find on the streets, right? Well, they find neglect and they find abuse and they find hunger. Um, yeah, those things they ran, uh, ran away from. But they also find hopelessness. They find addiction. Uh, the glue bottles, I don't know if you saw those in the video. Um, they get addicted to the glue. Um, yeah, and they need help. So when a kid comes to Agape, they get an individual uh, rehabilitation plan. So they're, uh, they're evaluated on their academics, their health, physical health, their emotional health, spiritual health, and their trauma. Um, and they get uh, a plan. Sometimes it's three months. Sometimes it's six months. Sometimes it's nine months. How do we get this kid healthy again? Once they're healthy, um, then they're reintegrated back into their families. Um, sometimes that is a father or a mother. Sometimes it's a grandparent, aunt or uncle. Uh, but out of the 2,500 kids that Agape has reunited so far, only five have been outside of a kinship family, have been uh, traditional foster. All the rest have been inside their, their families. Pretty amazing uh, stuff. What's the fourth step, right? The fourth R. And that is redemption. Um, the whole thing is done through the love of Christ. Uh, these kids, again, have gone through major, major trauma and stuff, and carrying tons of baggage. How do you get rid of that? I mean, Jesus brings redemption, brings healing, um, and brings freedom. So that's what we're going to do. Pretty excited about it. But what about us, right? How do we get into this uh, whole thing about going to Kenya? Um, we shared here about three years ago, if anybody remembers us, uh, at that point, God had asked us to sell our house, give up our careers, um, and move to, move to Papua New Guinea uh, with Wycliffe Bible Translators. We spent the last two years uh, engaging uh, in Bible translation there, and it was incredible, life-changing, and we made a home, right? We made a life there, and late 2017, we found out we were pregnant. We had our fourth child on the way, and giving birth in Papua New Guinea isn't really a safe thing, uh, so we knew we were coming back to the States uh, for the birth, and the Lord started speaking to us, um, to me. He was speaking about getting more involved in kind of the business administration side of missions, um, business development and process improvement and uh, national employee development, those kinds of things. And with my wife, um, he started speaking to her about uh, childhood trauma 
being involved in childhood trauma, healing, and counseling. And these are things that weren't applicable to what we were doing. How do we apply this? And uh, so we came home back to the, the Seattle area wrestling with this. What are we going to do? God is speaking to us about these things. Papua New Guinea has become our home. Um, and we held it. Man, we held it tight, and, our, and we wouldn't let it go. And I don't know how to describe it. I guess that I was, that we were getting teary-eyed over there. You're going to make me get teary-eyed up here. (laughs) Um, I guess afraid to let go of what God had given us. Um, Man, to seek what he was going to give us. Now i got to recover. All right. <laughs> Been there. Um, when we did, it was amazing. When we finally let go, released our grip a little bit, right? Let the Lord work. Let the Lord work. Um, he did incredible things. Um, the next week, we got in touch with this organization. We heard about them from a friend of a friend. In fact, they reached out to us and said, hey, this organization is looking for some missionaries that uh, have a kind of a business mindset but have a, a heart for trauma healing for kids. And we thought that was quite a coincidence, right? Too much of a coincidence. That must be the Lord speaking to us. Um, so we sought it out. We went uh, this past February, my wife and I and our two youngest went to Kenya, check out the organization, um, see what life would be like in Kenya, and see the impact. What is Agape doing there? What is it doing to these communities? Um, so that's where we're at. We're in that season again, back to the launch season, packing up our life, fundraising, work visas, um, not knowing where we're going to sleep half the time. It's, it's that season. Uh, it's a beautiful season. It's busy season, and that's where we are. Um, man, we are excited. So Abundant Life has been a huge blessing for us over these last couple of years. Um, so happy to have you guys on board. And uh, I guess I want to invite the rest of you guys to engage us. Uh, there's some really neat things going on with orphan care uh, around the world and uh, some new ideas, some new things that are going on. And uh, come speak with us. Uh, we'd love to get you guys on our newsletter uh, so you know how to pray for us while we're overseas. Man, we need prayer. Um, and also maybe the Lord... <laughs> Uh, might lead you to partner with us. We still need financial partners for monthly support uh, while we're overseas. But I think mostly today I just want, or I hope, that my short sharing um, helps you guys understand what God has been doing in our lives, uh, the missionaries that you guys have been supporting, uh, but also what he's doing for his vulnerable children around the world, those that are in need. He's doing some incredible things. So yeah, after service, come see us. We'd love to uh, talk with you guys. Thanks. All right. Can you come up? Let's pray for these guys. Can you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this family, Lord, and what you've done in their life, Lord. And as they've, they've even come back in this year and just figured out, God, what place do you have us in right now in this season? And Lord, we thank you that you guide our and direct our steps. Oh, we pray for every need to be covered for them, both now and in the future. Lord, we pray that you would continue to guide their steps, provide their financial needs and their practical needs. Lord God, we pray for joy on the mission field for them. We thank you for people like them who say, we will go. We will go into all the world 
to make disciples of all nations. And Lord, I pray for joy on this field for them and that this, would be, um, this wouldn't be a, a season of burden, but it would be a season of joy and blessing for their family. Lord, we pray for their kids, for a protection, for uh, acclimation for them, Lord God. I pray that there would be, uh, this would be their home and their ministry as well. Lord, we come alongside them and we partner with them uh, in prayer and practically. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good to have you guys here. Thanks for sharing. Hey, they are, this, this is a big step, right, to head out? Oh, well, yeah, we can do a side hug here, but also. I thought I was getting a hug. I thought we were coming back. I want a real hug. Okay, there we go. Okay, yes. August 13th, I just want to announce. August 13th, that's it's what official. We're thinking about. That must be cheap flight date or something. All right. You guys are looking at that August 13th. Yeah, anyway, awesome. That's what we're hoping. Do you have anywhere to live yet? Okay, I'm just going to throw a couple things out there. So they got up, they're staying in Mill Creek, a church gave them a place to stay. They're looking for an empty house. They're, I think they have to the end of this month, and so they might hit the road. But uh, if you know of an empty house somewhere, uh, talk to them. See, see them, they're going to be out in the foyer afterwards, get on their email list. Uh, maybe God would lead you to give monthly to them, whether it's 10 bucks a month or 100 bucks a month, whatever, if you want to support the ministry they have. Um, some of you have been around Abundant Life for a long time, and uh, those of you who have know that our first missionaries we sent out were to, uh, was to Kenya to uh, care for street children. And so uh, it's really cool to see uh, God uh, really bring this, this work back into Abundant Life, and, and this is a heart of Abundant Life, is to care for the orphans. So uh, we are with you, and, uh, and you know that. So let's get into the Word this morning. Uh, we are actually going to talk about unlikely places uh, today, and as they found themselves in an unlikely place after being on the mission field, and then back in the U.S. saying, God, now what? Uh, we're going to talk about this in our life. So, so I want to take a really quick poll, and, and I'm going to just hit a section at a time, and I just want to ask you where you were born. Not like, don't say at the hospital, don't be a wise guy, all right? Give us a city or a state. So over here, where were you, some of you born? Eatonville, Tequila, Arizona. Iowa, Michigan, Ording, Phoenix, Hawaii. Okay, how about back here? Mexico? New Mexico. Colorado. Okay, here? Philippines, there you go. Winner, winner. Ohio, California, Tacoma, Seattle, Ording, Alaska. Okay, over here? Wisconsin, Florida, where, where's that, oh, Prosser, got it, gotcha, all right, Washington, got it, I was like, is that, like, okay, isn't it amazing to you that people from all different parts of the world ended up in the same room in the same place in the same day, isn't that incredible, I just find that amazing, and, uh, and, and it's just amazing how God works to bring people together from all over. Maybe, maybe you didn't know that. Maybe it's, uh, you, you learned something today. Isn't it amazing how God just brings us together? I love it. It doesn't matter what place we're from. He brings us to the place where we're at now and takes us there. Now, my next question is this. Do you remember in high school the rival or college? Did you have a rival you remember the rival where you, you thought about that, that, that high school or that college, and it just you had a little bit of disdain for them? Do you remember who they were? I don't want you to call that out because I don't want to make enemies in this room because you might have your rival school attending right here. But your school was better, right? 
Wasn't your school better? Now, you, you always wonder, like, who would go to that place? Who would go there? Today, we're going to look at unlikely places, and there was a man in Scripture from an unlikely place. It was a place called Nazareth, and that place wasn't the best place. In fact, Nazareth was that place. And so we're going to look at First John, or in the book of John. So turn to the book of John. If you'd like to take notes on our church app, you can do that as well. John chapter 1, starting with verse 43, says this. It says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. So that's, that's where we, that's the introduction to the hometown of Jesus is what in the world is it? This is his reaction. Nathanael's first reaction was to associate the person with the place. He, he didn't, it wasn't just to come see Jesus. It was Jesus of Nazareth. And his response wasn't who's Jesus. His response was how could anything come out of Nazareth. Now, to understand this response, we've got to learn a little bit about Nazareth. Nazareth was in the region of Galilee. So I have a map for us this morning. We're going to look at a map. And so you have Judea, Samaria, and you have Galilee. This was the, the region where Israel was living at this time. And so Judea was the center, and you'll see Bethlehem there. You see Jerusalem, where the, the temple was, Jerusalem. And then you had the Samaritans, which was kind of like this in-between land that people weren't really sure about. And then you have the region of Galilee, and you see the, star, the red star up there? That's where Nazareth is, okay? So Nazareth isn't really close to Jerusalem. It was quite a ways away. It's by the Sea of Galilee. And Judeans, if you were from Judea, that was kind of like you were like, the good Israelites. Like that was like where the, the main people lived. You were by the temple. You lived near the holy place. And so the Judeans looked down on the Galileans. They considered them uneducated. Uh, they questioned their ancestry. The, the other, and then the problem is, is it wasn't just like a bias. The, the Galileans actually had a bad reputation of being troublemakers. Uh, and, and they see that um, historically we know that this group of people, this region, they took a place in a lot of protests and, uh, and uprisings. Uh, we see in Acts 5.37 uh, mention of a revolt led by a Galilean. And so this, this region has a poor reputation. Uh, in fact, in John 7.52, uh, there was one of the, uh, the members of the Sanhedrin, his name was Nicodemus. And, uh, and you may have read the story of Nicodemus. Uh, it's where the term born again comes from. Jesus explains to Nicodemus that you must be born again. And so when the high priests and the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, they were, they were criticizing and ridiculing Jesus, he kind of defends him a little bit. And this is what they say to him. They say uh, to Nicodemus, they replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. So this region had a poor impression. Now this wasn't just a Judean impression. We see reference to this region of Galilee all the way back in the Old Testament and I'm going to look at 1 Kings verse 9. I want you to get the whole picture of that place. 1 Kings 9 verse 11. King Solomon gave 20 towns in Galilee to Hiram, king of Tyre, because Hiram had, had supplied him with all the cedar and juniper and the gold he wanted. So this was a gift. This was a gift to the king, from the king to the king. So this was a, here I'm going to give you some land. But when Hiram went from Tyre to see the towns that Solomon had given him, he was not pleased with them. 
What kind of towns are these you have given me, my brother? He asked, and he called them the land of Kabul, a name they have to this day. Now, is this a place you really want to come from? A place that the king says, I'm not happy with this land that you've given me. In fact, this word Kabul literally means displeasing and good for nothing. This is where Jesus was from. This whole region, he was from a good for nothing place. And so Nathaniel, now Nathaniel, this is what's interesting too. Nathaniel himself was from Galilee. So Nazareth was like the armpit of Galilee. So Galilee, so here you have a Galilean asking, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good? Here you have this despised region, this looked down upon place, this place that, that all, the, all around the surrounding areas, even the region itself looked down on Nazareth. It was literally the worst. Nazareth was that place. Yet from that place came the most fruitful ministry of all time. From that place came the Savior of the world. Jesus put Nazareth on the map. You see, Jesus didn't let the place he came from determine where he was going. He didn't let where he was from determine where he would go. Some of you today cannot move beyond the place where you have been. I just believe as I was preparing this message and praying over this, that there, is a, there are some of you in a place, you are in a current place or a place where you have been, a place where you are from, and you can't move beyond it. You are in a place and you are stuck in that place. You can't move. It's defining you. And you wonder, can anything good come out of this place? Have you ever been in one of those places in your life before where you wonder, can anything good come out of this place? I believe some of you are even in that place today. But I have good news for you. God brings greatness from unlikely places. He brings good things from unlikely places. And if we're going to experience that goodness of God. We've got to learn what to do with that place. So many times we get in these places and we don't know what to do with them. Do you ever get in a place and, and really all you know what to do, you just want to cry? Crying's okay. It's, it's all right, but that, sometimes that's like all you can come up with. Or you try to solve it. You try to make the place you're in a math equation. And what you find out is that that place is like calculus. and You just can't figure it out. It's one of those things where it's just, how do I get past this place? I want us to understand three truths behind places this morning. And, and I believe that God wants to set some of you free from a place that you've been in. And that place, you hear the word place, and it's not just a physical location. It's a spiritual location. It's an emotional location. It's a, it's a place in our life in which we get stuck. And we must first understand that the place doesn't define you. The place that you are in does not define you. Do you know that when Jesus visited Nazareth, the reception was not good? He did not have a good reception. Let's read in Mark chapter 6. We're going to look, so if you want to turn to Mark chapter 6, we're going to come back to Mark 6 a few times this morning as we go through this message. Mark chapter 6, we'll start with verse 1. It says that Jesus left that part of the country and in return with his disciples to Nazareth his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. 
the son of Mary. Hey, what's wrong with carpenters anyway? Carpenters are pretty awesome. I like He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live here right among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Isn't that amazing that even Nazareth didn't believe that anything good could come out of it? Even Nazareth didn't think anything could come out of it. The place where you're in, it, it, it can cause you to feel rejected and worthless and insignificant, but Jesus didn't let the place define him. He was defined by who he knew he was, not by the place where he was from. Not by that place. In fact, we knew Jesus knew who he was because here's the thing, before he went to Nazareth, Jesus had gone out into the wilderness to a man named John to be baptized. And if you've read the story of the baptism of Jesus, it's in Matthew chapter 3, it says that Jesus was baptized, and after he was baptized, he came up out of the water, the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him and settling on him. And it says this in Matthew three seventeen, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And when you know who you are, when you allow the one who knows you most, when you allow God to define you, the place loses its hold on its definition of your life. And Jesus had been declared over who he was. And when he returned to Nazareth and they despised him, it didn't shake him. It didn't shake his identity. You know, words carry weight, don't they? And when he goes into this place, if you go into a place and you try to minister, or you try to just be who you are, in that place that you go to, they, who do you think you are? How, how could you? How are you more special than us? And you get into these places and those words carry weight, but the greatest weight was the truth over the life of Jesus. This is my son, my dearly loved son. See, for many of us, rejection carries more weight than approval does. That rejection carries weight. We can, we can hear lots of great things said about us, but one rejection seems to hang on to us. And it, it sticks with us. And, and, and we hear the words spoken over our life. But nothing good comes from Nazareth. And we begin to try to step out and to be who we are. And we hear someone say, but nothing good can come from you. Nothing good can come from someone from there. And we begin to tell ourselves, man, even the people I grew up with don't accept me. They don't believe in me. But Jesus, he chose to align himself with the truth of God rather than the perception of men. And we must do the same. We must align ourselves with the truth of God rather than the perception of man. If Jesus would have allowed the place to define him, well, we probably wouldn't be sitting here today from all over the world gathered to worship Jesus and to grow in him. If he would have allowed the place where he was from to define him. Friends, you've got to align yourself with truth. Align yourself with truth. Listen, someone needs to hear this today. You are not your circumstance. You are not your past. Someone needs to know that today. You are not your past. You are not your failures. What is the truth? How does God see you? Do not let the place 
define you. Allow God to define you. And this is what Jesus did. He was defined by his heavenly Father and not by Nazareth. Second thing we've got to understand this morning is that the place does not direct you. The place doesn't direct you. Imagine if Jesus allowed this experience at Nazareth to determine his next step. So here he goes back to Nazareth, his hometown, and and they say, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? In fact, we we wrap back, if you go back to Mark 6, let's go back there, verse 5 and 6. It says this, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. To us, that's like super effective ministry. But for Jesus, I was like, yeah, just laid a few hands on people and heal a few sick people, right? This was for Jesus. This was like, man, nothing can get done here. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Notice what the text doesn't say. It doesn't say, so he gave up. It doesn't say, oh, I... He figured he was having an off day. It doesn't say, so Jesus wondered if he truly was the Messiah. None of that is mentioned here because Jesus didn't think those things. He didn't let one place direct his future. He knew what God had for him and he knew his assignment. He didn't allow that place to direct his next steps. Listen, don't focus on your current location. Focus on your destination. Some of us are so stuck, just focused in. Do you ever get fixated on something that you just can't get past it? Anyone else besides me, you just get fixated on it? Like, I, I got to tell you, if I, my wife tell you, if I start a project, I get fixated on it. Some of you are like, I can't finish a project. Well, that's okay. You know, that's different personalities. I'll get fixated on it. You know, someone should say, hey, we should look into this. Next thing you know, I'm on a one-hour research project. That's just who I am. Right, Ruth? You know this about me. I just, I'll get fixated on it. But here's the thing. If we get fixated on our current location, we get fixated on the places that are holding us back. We get fixated on the place where we're from. We get fixated on our failure. We won't be able to move to what God has next for us. And we have got to focus not on our current location, focus on our destination. The apostle Paul wrote it this way in Philippians 3. He said, I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and look forward to what lies ahead. My question for you this morning is, where is Jesus taking you? Not, not where did you take you? Where did this decision you made in your life take you? Where did this mistake take you? Where did this failure take you? The question is, where is Jesus taking you? Where is Jesus taking you? And what is one step? I, I want to ask you a simple question. If, if you don't know the answer to this question, where is Jesus taking you? You may be overthinking it. Because he might be taking you home after church to spend time with your family. Because you've been so busy, you haven't. You might be overthinking it. Where is Jesus taking you? And when you discover the answer to where he's taking you, and you can start small, right, Ryan? <laughs> when they came back from Papua New Guinea and there's the question, where is Jesus taking us? They started with a really big question. And you know what happened? Frustration. You know what happened? Anxiety. But I, I've talked to these two, and you know what happened? They started asking themselves the smaller questions. Where is Jesus taking me today? And he began to unlock their future. 
And so the question is, where is Jesus taking you? And what is one step you can take in that direction? Just one. Just one. I know how we are. We say, oh, now I know where Jesus is taking me. Let's sprint for it. What's one step? One thing. God is more concerned with where he wants to take you than how you got into the place you're currently in. So let him direct you and let that be your focus. Finally this morning, the third thing I think we need to understand about our place, not only does it not define us, it doesn't direct us, but the place doesn't diminish you. It does not diminish you. I think that we can all agree, let's just by a show of hands, did Jesus Christ of Nazareth have an effective ministry? If yes, raise your hand, all right? Okay, so the consensus is that he did. He didn't allow the place where he was from to diminish him. Let's go back to Mark chapter 6 again, starting with verse 6. It says, this is right after, so he goes to Nazareth. They were offended by him. He couldn't do much there because of their lack of faith. And then it picks up and says, then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. And he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. Jesus didn't shrink back. He multiplied. Right after he gets from this place, he goes to Nazareth and and he gets rejection. And his response isn't to diminish. His response is to multiply that it's going to grow right after this Nazareth rejection, Jesus takes it up a notch. That's not most of our nature. When we have a situation like that, we shrink back. But Jesus said, I will go forward. And maybe the place that you're in, maybe you're allowing the place that you are in in your life to diminish you. And you have found yourself shrinking back. You're pulling away from people. You're feeling like the place that you're in has disqualified you. I believe that there are people here this morning that you have felt like, because I am in this place, and listen, I just believe there's some of you here this morning that you had nothing to do with getting into the place that you are in. Now, some of us make bad choices, right? And you can elbow the person next to you who made a horrible choice, but God's going to take them somewhere. But listen, some of you this morning, you ended up in a place not by your doing, and you're allowing that place to diminish you. You're allowing that place to disqualify you. And you think to yourselves, man, just being associated with that place will certainly ruin me. What do you do? We do what Jesus did. Church, you got to flip the script on your place. (laughs) Here's what you got to know about your place. It's just a place. We tell someone this morning it's just a place. He doesn't sound like you believe that. Tell someone this morning, it's just a place. Church, it doesn't have to determine your effectiveness. Jesus flipped the script on Nazareth. And when we started this morning, the word Nazareth in our text was a derogatory remark. That's how it began. It was a place that had a derogatory remark attached to it. But Jesus would change that. What was once used to put down, Jesus would use to lift up the place of Nazareth. Check this out, Acts 3.6. One day as Peter walked to the temple, he saw a man, he couldn't walk. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name 
of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. People would rise up. Can you believe it? Jesus never allowed his place to have power over him. He never allowed his place to have power over him. And some of you are allowing your place to have power over you. I love the song we sang this morning. The way, through every battle, through every circumstance, through every hardship, you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. That's what defines us. That's what directs us. That's what grows us and expands us. Jesus didn't allow the place to have authority over him. He had authority over that place because all authority was under his feet. Oh, Nazareth, that looked down upon place? Jesus said, that doesn't determine my effectiveness. He had that authority and you have the authority of Jesus in you. And therefore, that place that you've been allowing to have power over you, that place, that situation that you've been allowing to have power over you because you have Jesus in you, you can place that under your feet. And I just believe that there are situations in our life right now that there would be people here this morning that would say, I am in a Nazareth place right now, but there will be a day where that place will be what propels healing. That will be a place that brings life and not death. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Man, I love, I love it. Do you know that even it, when Jesus was on earth, even, even the demons would say, Jesus of Nazareth. What do you want with us? They recognized the power of Jesus. They didn't say, Jesus, but you're from Nazareth. No, no, no. They knew that the name attached to the place had the power. And your name and who you are, what God's called you to, you can have victory over that place. It doesn't have to define you any longer. That place in your life, some of you have a that place today. That place is under his feet too. Don't let it define you. Don't let it direct you. Don't let it diminish you. Let's rise from un unlikely places. God brings greatness from unlikely places. Will you stand this morning with me? I want to pray for you. I believe that there are some people here this morning that need to get up to the front today and have someone pray with them. We have got our ministry teams that would love to pray with you. And I, I, some of you this morning are feeling a little shy about that or feeling a little ashamed about that or feeling a little bit just reserved about that. But let me tell you something. God wants to break you out of an unlikely place. And maybe you've already moved from the unlikely place, but you're still letting it define you. And God wants to change that in your life today. And so I'm going to close this in prayer. And then, and then we're going to sing this song together. We're going to sing the way together. Is that all right? Sounds good. Thanks, Andrew. And then, and then would you come forward and pray? Lord, this morning, I thank you, Lord God, that you 
came from an unlikely place and that you emerged from this unlikely place and that we can too. Lord, I pray for those this morning that are allowing the places in their life to define them. Break those lies right now in the name of Jesus over their lives. You define them, God. I pray for those who are allowing the places in their lives to direct them. That because this, I can't this. Or because of this place, I have to this. Lord, I pray that you would break us out of that mentality. Break us out of those chains, Lord God, that try to direct our future based on our past. And Lord, for those who are allowing the place to diminish them, to diminish their effectiveness in life, to diminish their capacity to love, to, to diminish, Lord God, their, their view of where they might go and what they might be. Lord, I pray that, that they would come to you and that you would flip the script on that place. And then that place would become a testimony of your goodness. That place would become a testimony of your love. That place would become a testimony of your healing. Lord, we will not be trapped by our place, but we will rise from unlikely places. So we come to you this morning, the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name, amen.